0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Work with Purpose, a podcast about the Australian public service. My name's David Pembroke. Thanks for joining me. I begin today's podcast by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet today, the Ngunnawal people, and pay my respects to their elders, past, present, and future, and acknowledge the ongoing contribution they make to the life of our city and this region. Well, today on Work With Purpose, we feature the winners of this year's Public Sector Innovation Awards. The awards are a collaboration between IPA and the Department of Industry, Science, Energy and Resources. And they are a celebration of not only great thinking, but great doing by Australian public servants. You might remember a few weeks ago uh, on this program, we had a conversation with David Fredericks and Michelle Brunnages to celebrate the launch of Innovation Month. Well, today we speak to the people who carried home the loot. Jason Lucchese is the Assistant Commissioner, Superannuation and Employer Obligations of the Single Touch Payroll Program at the Australian Tax Office. And he joins me in Studio 19. Jason, welcome to the program. Great. Thank you. Ailsa Borwick is the National Manager of Employment Income and Single Touch Payroll at Services Australia. But she's not here to talk about (laughs) Single Touch Payroll today. That's Jason's. Ailsa and her team carried off the award for their job seeker, Short form claim innovation. So I'm really looking forward to uh, understanding because I read that is a great story and I'm looking forward to that. And we are also joined by Helen Bailey, who is the manager of the Public Sector Innovation Network at the Department of Industry, Science, Energy and Resource. She was the coordinator of the awards program. Helen, welcome to you. Thank you. Now, I have to say that. um, my friend and colleague, Andrew Metcalf, who was once the chairman of the judging panel, uh, he always used to get super excited about the Public Sector Innovation Awards because as a public servant, to see the great thought, to see the thinking, to see the collaboration, to see um, the teamwork, he, he just he would always get jumpy around about public sector innovation with such a big time of the year. But... Um, Let's get into the understanding of just exactly what these innovations were and why they were, were winners. And ladies first. Um, also uh, I might come to you. The, the job seeker short form claim. I think there's a story behind this.
1: There certainly is. Um, look. Obviously with COVID, we had a lot of people needing to claim and we could see that was coming and the government sent us um, some pretty pretty ambitious targets. So we had a, our current claim process for the JobSeeker claim is about 164 questions and it takes around 55 minutes for someone to do that and also quite a number of time for us to process that claim. And the process there requires people to attend and to register with us um, and do an identity check. It also requires people uh, People to fill out the forms and gather some documentation and submit that, and also complete um, generally a phone call with us um, to complete some questions so we can understand what they need from a job seeker perspective. So, for us, we were challenged to get that down to a process that we could be be completed within five days um, and to bring that question set down to about 10 questions. And um, for us, just for a scale, we, um, as you would know, the announcements came out on about the 20th of March. We had this fully implemented by the 14th of April. Wow.
0: So did you have any forewarning uh, ahead of the 20th of March? Did you know that this was coming? No,
1: to be honest, we had, um, our, we had just released our brand new job seeker claim on the 20th of March. We just reinvented it to get it to 164 questions. So on the 23rd of March, which was sort of the big kickoff of the new policy, that's when we had to suddenly sh- shift gears and look at it in a very different way. Um, So for us, that was a pretty big challenge.
0: So that's the innovation I imagine, that looking at it in a different way. So what questions were you asking yourself that enabled you to go from 164 to 10?
1: To 10, yeah. So um, for us, um, we sat there one night. I sat there with my colleague Brendan and we went through and sort of went really – looking at the legislation and trying to understand what was the minimum viable product, the minimum set of questions that actually helps us determine somebody was eligible for payment. And so we were able to go through that process and then look to some of our colleagues who um, had a whole heap of insight from our customers about where they were getting stuck in the claim process and what was taking time. We looked at our service delivery information and seeing where the um, pain points were in the processing um, and what was taking time in that as well, which gave us some intelligence to go um, and talk with our policy partners so Department of Education Skills and Employment and um, Department of Social Services and talk about challenging what we might be able to do there to simplify and streamline that and I've got to say that process was amazing working with our colleagues they were fantastic Could you imagine you know the the length of time that we've had um, unemployment benefits and the, the the things that we had to look at to see if we could simplify that process.
0: So, in terms of that though, that simplification process is massive because if you you was um, just suggesting that you'd, you'd been through a process to get to 164, yeah. so and, and you'd already probably had some of those insights, but had had decided not to act on them or didn't feel that they were that you still needed a degree of rigor. That, that was necessary?
1: Absolutely, because the integrity of payments is very important to Australians. So we, we absolutely want those things up front in a standard claim process. But for this situation, we needed to make some temporary changes. And for us to revisit those in that context with our policy partners was a, a, quite an amazing undertaking in such a short period of time, um, particularly because we had to make sure we had the legislative basis to do that as well. Mm. Um, for us, though, the real innovation started. Started to happen when um, we kind of landed this with a multidisciplinary team, and claim form is great and a claim is a claim in its own, in, own environment, but it sits in an end to end process. So, then challenging the challenge for Services Australia and working across multiple teams to work out what was the end to end process that allowed a customer to move in a digital environment and basically protect people from coming uh, from the health risk of coming into a service centre. You would have all seen the footage, um, so there was a public health risk of people congregating in our offices yeah. but and also we wanted our staff to be able to 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 process and to work so how could we manage that and use these processes to support it
0: So who was on your multidisciplinary team who did you? <laughs> Who did you include? Was it Obviously, it was a virtual team as well.
1: Um, so, ab- absolutely. Um, so, we had our customer experience colleagues. So, Lysiane led that process and our online colleagues. Um, obviously, there's a lot of tech that goes behind this to make it work really well. So, Megan um, Bunfield in my area. But then we pushed that out to a broader digital program. Um, also, we included our business integrity people on those teams. But the multidisciplinary team met with uh, every day, sometimes, Twice a day, included people up and up to deputy level, uh, to make sure that our service delivery colleagues understood this and could give us their insights as well um, into the process, as well as our fraud and compliance people, and so forth, so that we had this huge group of people bringing all of their insights into this process.
0: And how did you bring the you know the voice and the experience of the citizen to the to the centre of this? And how much did that drive the innovation and that mission? That we have to deliver. We have to do this because this is crisis.
1: Yeah. So in Services Australia, um, we do do a lot of work on that. So we had a, we did have that legacy of work around pay points, and then we did um, our customer experience team did this amazing job of doing the journey mapping and really mapping that out and understanding what the interactions were, what the channels people were using, and then um, we have. Uh, I'm going to use a colloquial term. I call it claim porn. We can actually look at people as they're going through the claim process and watch, the, watch what they're doing. But we also use our analytics and our voice. Uh, so obviously we have a lot of people that call us. So we can do that and use um, our bots to really understand what the questions are or issues. So if I had a particular issue that I wanted to look at, we have these amazing people that can run those analytics for us to give us real-time information about what's happening in the claim process.
0: What was the scariest or hardest bit, you know, in trying to hold this team together as you're on this absolute sprint yeah. inside 24 days? Is my less, maths right? Less. less? less. Okay, less. <laughs>
1: um, so for me, um, I think that was one of the biggest channel uh, challenges was the engagement, the personal risk of, wow, there's going to be a lot of people using this. And so for me uh, and... um It was done so quickly and so much, so many policy changes and there were other policy changes happening all around us. How did we make sure that we were meeting the legislation and we weren't leading people to a situation where they might not have been eligible for payment and we would have to recover that money? That is something that was probably the scariest thing and to bring people along. And as I said, we brought in um, some of those expertise in there. We also um, established, and I'm forever grateful for my senior leaders for... um, having that foresight to bring the assurance piece in at the very beginning. So we had, in this instance, KPMG working with us to have a look at it from a number of factors from the ICT build because it's very complicated and also from a legislative... And their legislative matrix work that they did to map it all back helped me sleep at night. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to tell you.
0: Well, that's it's an interesting question there, isn't it? Because that's one of the great barriers to innovation particularly in the public service is that sense of risk and permission and clearly in this environment that was enabled that you were given permission and the risks were clearly managed and identified and the resources were put around them to enable you to you know guide this team in this effort.
1: Absolutely and uh, as I said we had that oversight on a daily basis and um, you know initially it's pretty hard to, to lay your risks bare in front of multiple deputies I'll, I'll be honest um, and adopting a posture that says well it's only going to get worse if I don't call it out so and then allowing that process to happen and resolution to be done very quickly so you've got to be a little bit brave in engaging in with the risk and calling it out but it works.
0: Mm, it's a culture thing isn't it really? And, and it's interesting to see that the culture was able to manage with that degree of, of pressure and stress and, and strain. Well, well done. done. Congratulations. Um, Jason, your story uh, about single touch payroll, because you were, again, solving a very big problem, but for a different audience, but uh, no less important, really, in terms of being able to keep the money moving so as that people could be paid.
2: Yeah, thanks. Thanks, David. And um, and a little bit, you know, building on from what Alice has covered off, I guess that, you know, I love talking about the story about single touch payroll because it has been very much a big journey. So, you know, over a number of years, David, was it was, you know, what started off with a small number of people in government and business had this vision around if we could tap into what is the natural business system of payroll and leverage off that. Um, that that could essentially revolutionise the way in which payroll and super guarantee information is reported through to the ATO and provide, you know, a much greater level of visibility and transparency and integrity into the system. So, um, and that vision was essentially what was realised. So, to date, we've now got over 750,000 employers who are now... Uh, reporting through single-touch payroll every, every payday, and that covers some 13 million Australians um, that have their information that are reported. So at any time, they can go on to MyGov, and then they can see what, what their, their tax and superposition is. So it's been a, an incredibly long journey. It's been one that has um, involved many people, both within government and outside of government, but i think the fundamental principle behind it or what the innovation part that a challenge was how do you leverage off something that is a natural business system and fit in with that as opposed to creating something separate and asking people to come to it so that was the turning point or that was the that was the the difference around with what stp um, provides mm.
0: but in terms of then managing that you know the innovation through these these different cycles what were some of the challenges that that as you say, it's a natural business system, but where were the barriers that you needed to overcome in order to turn it from a natural business system into a a process?
2: Yeah, so there were quite a few. I bet. So, um, <laughs> so, so if I give you a bit of a sense in terms of around, so first thing is around digital adoption. If we talk about that as a as a as a first point, not everyone was you know digitally enabled in terms of their payroll. So everything from quite sophisticated payroll solutions through to spreadsheets yep. or ledgers. Yep. So there's quite a spectrum there. So when you're talking about driving digital adoption, that then presented our next challenge with us, which was around how do you present something that's not a one-size-fits-all? So what are the differing um, solutions that need to be available that cater for whether you're a small business and you've got, you know, just a few people that work with you through to, you know, large multinational companies in terms of how they, how they operate. What we did, though, was around, just picking up on a couple of those points, was co-design was at the heart of around with, you know, how we, how we overcame those, those barriers. Right. So we very much engaged with a, with a range of different um, um, sectors, so including um, our digital service provider, so the software developers themselves, to understand their products and, and how they go about developing them, I should say, sorry, um, our, the payroll profession itself, employers, Through to tax agents as well, in terms of who help those. Mm -hmm. So, looking at the broader ecosystem here how do we actually, how does this system all work and how does it hang together and what are the dependencies? And through that collaboration and that co design, understanding around what were the pain points so that when we introduce single touch payroll, We could introduce it in a way that, you know, that we could manage it in a a phased and a transitioned way that we could ensure that we had the right level of adoption and bring people along with the journey for us. Because as you can imagine, there were certainly people that were very, why do I need to do this? This seems like another thing that we need to do. You know, what's the benefit to me? So having that discussion, having that narrative and continuing to reinforce those messages around the importance around what it is that we were doing um, led to in terms around with where we're at today. let alone to think about, you know, how STP is being leveraged off more broadly now um, that was never envisaged in any way, you know, when it it was first started. So, you know, they're the things that we had to, you know, progressively work through and be very clear with people around that, Yet it is a change, it is a transition, but support them along the way with what they needed.
0: So in terms of where this system had developed to prior to, you know, coming up to, to COVID and through that period and you know, where was it and then what was your story through that period in terms of, okay, we've really got to, you know, deliver? Yep,
2: yep. So, in terms of with the journey or where we're at with the journey, um, essentially, single-touch payroll is broken up into two main deliverables. The first deliverable was um, transitioning our substantial employers, so those that have 19 or more employees. Um, they had 12 months to transition and the phase that we were up to was, which was the second component, which is around transitioning our small employers, so 19 or less, and moving them. Um, in terms of with where we were at, we were at um, probably halfway through in terms of that that transition. So our onboarding rate and our uptake was certainly tracking at, at what we had projected, um, uh, but with the you know the events of COVID, um, the intersection with with JobKeeper. And we saw that escalate. We actually saw that actually the uptake even increase even further. People could see the dependency between the two um, systems and how they operate, how they built more integrity into the system and how ultimately it can make a more efficient and streamlined process for them as well. Mm. So that was the, the the leverage point around with where we're at and what we actually started to observe.
0: And how big a uplift was it? And and were the systems in place able to cope with it? And was your team able to cope with it? Yep,
2: yeah, uh, we, we were. And and yes, the systems were in place. So we'd already seen quite a large growth in terms of the uptake. So, you know, experiencing another blip, if you like, in terms yeah. of, you know, another kick up. And um, we already had all the mechanisms in place. And I guess we were also at a level of maturity as well, organisationally that, you know, you know, in some ways we've already done the hard work, yep. like in terms of around with, with the large numbers that, that have come through. Um, but that, you know, continued to reinforce that. We were ready. We were able to respond to that very quickly. And, you know, it continued on the on the trajectory.
0: Were there any things that happened that surprised you during that that period of time in terms of the adoption or the behaviour of the... Of, of the audience that you were seeking to engage with or it was as you had modelled it pretty much but just with another blip? I, I guess in terms of around, we were all a little bit unsure around what would COVID,
2: you know, in terms of actually how it would play out. You know, was it going to bring everything to a halt? Was it, you know, um, but to see the reverse in some ways actually happen in terms of those, you know, those employers that that embrace that um, and seeking to, you know, to, um, uh, to engage with JobKeeper, um, you know, That that was something that I think we were a little bit surprised about in terms of actually because often are not, you know, big disasters or big shocks essentially set your project just off the rails, you know, and you you kind of go, well, where do we go now? Whereas we had the opposite. It actually drove more in terms of around with with where we needed to go. So, um, and the narrative changed as well. The narrative changed from around, you know, why do I need to do this to I need to do this, you know. um, You can always put in place... You know, a legislative mandate to say it's the law that you must do it. Yep. But as we all know, that's not the only thing that you know in terms of changes behavior.
0: No.
2: So, um, so demonstrating around those additional benefits that started to come through, you know, that was really really helpful.
0: And did you get that feedback from from the audience that were telling you that this is a good thing? And also an to you as well, were you getting feedback saying, that, you know, we're very grateful for this innovation. We're very grateful for this change because the citizen or the business person at the, at the heart of it is actually getting a benefit at, from the government to, to make my life better, to, to ease the pain and the tension and the worry.
2: It's, um, it's so rewarding and proud when you get to go and talk with the community and you hear directly from them and they say thank you. Mm-hmm. And they say, this is easy for me now. Yep. Thank you for this because I just have to go in and do blah mm-hmm. and it's there. So to get that sort of feedback, you know, both personally for myself, but also for the team, but the broader organisation. And and I guess I really want to call out that, you know, single touch payroll has not been a small group of people that have implemented. This has been a truly, you know, organisational, you know, um, effort in terms of to get it to where it is. So, you know, um, as I I said to, you know, to my team and and to to others around, you know, whilst it was great that I had the opportunity to go to to the IPA awards and, and collect that award on behalf of the ATO, I'm very much just a representative of the many hundreds of people that are behind me mm-hmm. that are t- to being in that. Mm. But in terms of around picking up on that last point, you know, it, it, it is, you know, it is really heartwarming for, for the team to hear and gives that sense of purpose that what we are doing is for a reason. We can see that we are making a difference. Mm. And that's, you know, you know, personally, that's that's incredibly rewarding.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, it's the mission, isn't it? It's it why is. you do what you do. Yep. And also, from your point of view as well, that...
1: Look, it's fair to say in Services Australia we get a lot of feedback. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know... Uh, and, I mean, I don't... I mean, Tax officers probably... <laughs> yeah, we, we,
2: we definitely get
0: a lot of feedback we bad publicity well. for a few years.
1: Um, turns out we do watch <laughs> and we do listen. Um, we, we... Look, we... We have the stats coming in. We can see what's happening with the claim. Um, I think when uh, Rebecca Skinner was here, she was talking about this kind of moment when we kind of saw the claims going up to about 400,000 on hand. And when we released the short-form claim, you could see... Us, you could see them starting to sort of come down and um, just to give you some insight when we do releases we do them on the weekend I'm, I'm a, my ICT co- colleagues are amazing um, but so we release at about four o'clock in the morning yep. and we have people there to do business verification testing and, and Penny and my team who was leading this um, was in there doing that work at 4 30 a.m. in the morning she was processing the first claims that's so it's very immediate to see. oh it works someone's already completed it there they obviously there's a need for it they're up at four o'clock in the morning doing a claim yeah Um, now they wouldn't have seen anything different you wouldn't have known it was any different because it was all part of our our pre-fill and our our claim process journey but um, that was actually happening and for us as well we had some um, our customer's service staff in Strathpine who were focusing on helping us with that testing and to hear the staff member she was Penny called me up she was so proud she said the staff they love it (laughs) so again you're kind of getting that feedback and um, our our CEO was sending out emails every day and attached to some of those emails were photos where of thanks and flowers and chocolates that the community have yeah. brought in, and that's an amazing thing. To a member of the public who's doing it tough, comes in and says thank you in such a, you know, such a way. So yeah, we we got some great feedback around that, but. The, the stats told the story for us where we could see it dropping from 55 minutes down to 20 minutes. We could see that, you know, we were going up to sort of 75, 80% of people being able to complete it in one sitting. Yeah, wow. um, so, again, we were getting that feedback and we we're monitoring it the whole way through.
0: Helen, if I might throw to you, you are the uh, convener, um, the organiser of the Public Sector Innovation Awards and really these are two great stories, aren't they? They, you know, they set the, the citizen at the at the heart and the benefit is delivered and uh, the government does a good thing so Mm. um
3: i'm i'm a bit like andrew medcalf where i get really excited (laughs) around (laughs) awards time because i it it, it is i think the public sector is not always thought of as being incredibly creative or innovative but actually there are lots and lots of examples out there and the awards bring out a whole lot of examples so it, it they're very inspiring i have to say and you know People five groups won awards this this time, but we had over forty nominations, and so there are over forty, and they're only the ones who actually applied. So there's a lot more out there as well. So congratulations to both of you. By the way, um, I I did hear um, from both of you there are a couple of principles that came out. Um, there and and one of them was sort of co-design or user centricity. And I'm wondering if there are any other transferable principles that have come out of your specific projects that actually could be transferred into another sort of project within your organisation. What sort of principles have come out of this?
1: I guess for me, um, absolutely knowing your customer experience and your business processes so that you actually know where to target your effort um, when when the opportunity arises was, was something for us that was really important that you could take forward to almost anything, that deconstruction to the minimum viable product, particularly um, if you've been working in an area where it's been around a long time. That can be quite challenging to do and um, bringing other voices in to, to do that is probably pretty important because they'll, they'll get you to think about it a different way. Um, and for us, I remember when we when we stripped it right back that first night down to here's the 10 questions, it was... This, this attitude of show cause of how to make it more complicated you need to tell me why yeah. and for some things that made sense we needed to put a couple of other identity points in there to ensure the integrity and, and prevent fraud but but that kind of um, mandate around what we were doing helped us drive that um, understanding what the tech could do I had not appreciated uh, until I got into the depth of this exactly the um, pre-fill and I know you were talking about it before what it can actually do and um, obviously we Services Australia, a lot of people are known to us, we've met them before, um, and how do we leverage that or how do we leverage the other um, information that we could connect to and how do we negotiate that? Um, and also that idea of where does your bit fit in for the customer and on an end-to-end level, so that maybe you need to make some other changes to other parts, not just your own bit. Mm.
2: I think, um, I think Helen, probably the, the transferable part you know, that, that I'd probably reflect on is understanding that broader ecosystem and where you fit and where, you, where you're placed and how do you, h- how do you fit into, into that as opposed to creating something new or, or, or bespoke around that. So I think that's probably something around, you know, and with that comes, you know, user-centred design mm. in terms of, well, what does that actually look like for you and how does that, you know, when you sit down at, in your workplace every day and, and you've got something in front of you, how do you interact with it? What does it look like and how do you, how do you fit in? So I think you know more and more, you know, people's lives are busy. They're complicated. They've got lots, you know, you know, lots that they're trying to juggle and to keep up the speed with in terms of around from a you know whether that be from a you know from a legislative perspective or you know rules or regulations etc. So how can you take some of the um, uh, some of the confusion out of that by building it in as part of what they do every day? And and I have to echo I guess around with what Alsa is saying is around the you know. The technology component that sits behind a lot of these initiatives is, you know, is truly impressive around the the work that is done, not only from the smarts, but the scale in which yeah. it needs to handle as well. So you're dealing with systems here that are that are serving the entire Australian community. So how do you, you know, how do you, you know, make sure that you take that into account as well, you know, thinking back around with that ecosystem and how that fits in and how you support that.
3: Mm, yeah. mm. Sounds like a sort of a holistic sort of systems thinking yeah. approach essentially. Yeah.
1: um I was absolutely delighted to see what it could do. I mean, when um, Megan sort of showed me some of the things that they could do either through the apps or through um, connecting the different pieces of information, I was blown away. Um, I went in and and went into MyGov and had a look for what I could do for myself. No, I didn't fully complete a claim or claim anything, but (laughs) I I, I was just blown away. And I think updating your knowledge and really engaging with your ICT colleagues is a really good thing to do. Mm, mm,
3: Absolutely. Um, So I have another question for you. So you've got the benefit of hindsight now. So knowing what you know now, if you could do either of your projects again, is there something that you would do differently this time around? What was a, a sort of key
1: lesson that you learned I think um, in this environment, personal care, (laughs) to be honest, Uh, um, sleep matters and um, I think probably calling more people in a little earlier and managing that, but again-
0: Yeah, Rebecca mentioned that actually. Oh, did she? Yeah, yeah. yeah, It was part of the conversation that, you know, call for help.
1: Yeah, because I, you know, these were really long days which oh, turned yeah. into really long weeks, and there were other things we were doing as well. Yeah. So, um, ha, you know, being a bit more mindful of that and how to refresh in that moment, I think was, would be something for me.
0: But if you don't know, like you don't know what, you know, you don't know what's coming, do you? Because you, okay, I can still go and I just don't know where it's coming from. So, how do you get that foresight to know I need their help and I don't really know because I, I don't know where this is going to end?
1: Yeah. It's a bit hard, isn't it? yeah, it is really hard, and when you've got everybody's working really hard, and you don't want to let anybody down, yeah. and, and and but at some point you've got to put your ego to the side and realize that hey, how do you, your best self is somebody who is a little rested or well fed or has had a little bit of exercise or spent time with the dog, whatever it is. But I think for me that's something, um, I and I mean I mean that's situational in, in this context. And I, and I guess. You can never run a marathon at
3: a sprint. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You know, you do have to have breaks every now and then. So, and I think that's come out a lot actually during this COVID period is actually the personal care. Yeah,
1: and mm. I think as well for us, um, we knew because a lot of the, the things we were doing um, were temporary and they and they were likely to change because that was announced policy. Um, we we really thought about. Have we tracked enough what, what the benefits of doing things this way are? Is, and, we, and retrospectively, we're going back and doing a little bit more in, in looking at what that is so that we can quantify what it was that worked so well and, and sustain it. So, again, that's something, bringing that in as close to the front as possible that I would do differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I think, I think probably what I'd reflect on is that, you know, not so much what we can do differently but more so around with what's now presented as the next chapter that you can do. So you know there's the initial I guess initial part of around with um, you know with, with embedding and putting in place this um, putting in place this new system. Um, but then it's around how do you now or how can we now build upon that and leverage more of that? In terms of around with you know um, you know with with information that is there that is already captured, and a lot of that starting to go around with some of the work that we're currently doing at the moment. So Services Australia around with STP phase two, in terms of how do you you know how can we leverage more off in terms of the asset and which which has been created, you know to to further help for other means outside of the tax and super system. So that's probably the way when I sort of thought about in terms of that particular question, Helen, it's, it's around, you know, there's obviously, there's always things that you like to do a little bit differently. And, you know, with anything that, you know, that's big and large, you kind of think, oh, we should have went left instead of going right there and all those sorts of things. But it's more about thinking about now for us is, okay, where can this now take us? How can we actually build upon it? Um, it's probably the way that I've sort of been thinking about it.
0: Yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, um, Great stories. I love that sense of of voices too, this notion of multidisciplinary teams and, you know, that traditional challenge of silos, this is my job, this is what I've got to do, but really there's that sense of looking left and looking right and who else is, who else do I need to bring along to these very complex problems that you're seeking to solve, so... uh, Congratulations to you. Congratulations to your teams as well. It's uh, a fantastic and a great celebration, and, and two wonderful stories about innovation in the Australian public service. Helen, uh, a final
3: question from you, very quickly. I'll ask. Um, so you've won an award for this specific project that you you two have done. Um, I, I just want to know if if there are two key pieces of advice that you would give a public servant like me, for example, to move a creative idea from concept to implementation?
2: Yeah. I, I would uh, I would say the two things that I would say is be very clear in what is the outcome or the benefit around with why you are doing what you're doing. <laughs> that would be the first thing I'd say. Clear outcome, clear intent, so people know what it is, the yeah. so what. Um. I probably stole your line.
1: Today. Oh, that's <laughs> so. okay. I've got three here. All <laughs> right.
2: Hopefully, I won't steal but all I three. But I
1: completely <laughs> agree with you. Um, the
2: second thing I would say is about: you know, do not underestimate the importance of bringing people along with you, whether that be your internal teams or whether that be the community more broadly. Because if you don't have those things, you know, you know, with you, um, you are really fighting it uphill. Mm. You know, mm. that's you know, that'd be the two things that I would I would pass on.
1: Yeah, similarly, I, I, I would call out that you're authorising environment matters. So you might have a great idea, but what's the context? What's the context for your minister, your executive, um, your partners? And um, how does your idea meet their needs? Um, I think if you really want to land that thing that you know is awesome, how do you land it? with? what they need. Um, The other thing for me, and we spoke about it um, earlier, was about engaging with risk. And I don't mean taking big risks. I mean, know what your risks are and how to mitigate it. And if if it's not managed, be strong enough to call it out and call it out early.
0: Fabulous. Well, I... I like that idea of, you know, risk mitigation as a, as a positive and seen as a positive and an enabler as opposed to, oh, God, we can't do that. You know, it can stop you dead in your tracks. Uh, congratulations once again. Um, and to Ailsa, to, to Jason uh, and to Helen, thank you for your service and thanks for coming onto the program today. Work With Purpose is part of the GovCom's podcast network and we have some very big news to announce today content group is hosting the very first govcoms festival as part of the government after shock conference on november the 17th and 18th government after shock is a collaborative initiative supported by the OECD the european commission and the observatory of public sector innovation the govcoms festival will bring together government communication experts from around the world to discuss the changing nature of government communication, both internal and external, with a particular focus on the impact of digital technology. We will have more to say about that in the weeks ahead, but it is certainly an exciting prospect for us to be running a global festival in collaboration with the OECD and the European Commission. Thanks again, as always, to IPA, and to the Australian Public Service Commission for their ongoing support. This program would not happen without the support of the team here at IPA and back at the Content Group office, so a very big thanks to all of you. And, of course, our biggest thanks is to you, the audience, who keep coming back in such strong numbers week after week, and we are still growing. So if you do see the social media promotion for this episode, or indeed for the GovComs Festival, please pass it along and share. And if you do want to rate or review the program, that always helps as well. But that's it for now. We'll be back at the same time next week with another Work With Purpose episode. But for the moment, it's bye for now.
3: Work With Purpose is a production of Content Group in partnership with the Institute of Public Administration Australia and with the support of the Australian Public Service Commission.